Hey folks, welcome back for another episode of Biomass. This is episode 173. Uh, Bait might be joining us in a little bit here, but we do have some good topics we want to go over, and then Jay and I can rant about Destiny 2 for a little bit at the end. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell. Um, I occasionally play games, though not often. Good thing you're not on a gaming podcast or anything like that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge relief. <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up, man. Yep. Hey, uh, my name is Jay. I'm also one of the uh, hosts here at the Biomass Media Empire. I also play games on occasion. Uh, and for episode 173, which is tonight, I would uh, I would liken that back to the 173rd Airborne Brigade Combat Team out of Vicenza, Italy, Sky Soldiers. Uh, their unit that dates back to World War II and still on active duty. I know this because I have quite a few friends sitting over there right now, and. Uh, I, I have uh, I have worked with them more than once in a variety of different places around the world. That's pretty cool. That's a good one. And uh, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. I play games, though not much this week because I've been out of town on business, but uh, some good stuff. I've been playing a lot of uh, Destiny 2, a bit of Fortnite, and trying to get back into Final Fantasy, but there's just not enough time in the day, unfortunately. But anyways, let's get started with the top of the list here. Uh, Zell. What is going on with our good friend Deadpool and Cable? This is a bait link. I didn't. You didn't read it. It's your name on the list. It's okay, because, so that's because I moved it. So, um, bait had put it like way down after some of the video game stuff, which is wrong because we do we do movies and TV first. So I moved it, and that's why it's got my name on it. Okay. Well, Jake probably helped me out here then. So X Force looks like it is a uh, Deadpool and Cable centric spinoff film for uh, you know the Fox X Men universe empire here, um, and it was apparently a project that was kind of floating around, not really getting touched, and it finally got the green light to kind of start moving forward again. So uh, Drew Goddard is going to uh, write and direct the film along with Ryan Reynolds and Josh Brolin. Uh, for the X Force film, um, so if you if you're familiar with with Drew Goddard's work, he actually wrote uh, Ridley Scott's The Martian, fantastic oh, wow. film that's hilarious. Yeah, um, so it's pretty pretty good stuff. So this one this could be pretty good. I think Fox has realized that you know, hey, Deadpool is actually a much better money maker than X Men is, so we should probably put some cash into that. So that's what they're doing. And, you know, here at Biomass, we'll pretty much watch anything related to Deadpool because, you know, it's awesome. So I didn't know much about this until today, but, you know, pretty excited. I'm, I'm game for pretty much anything Reynolds is, is working on with Deadpool. So what I don't see is, um, is this going to be R-rated? Or are they going to dumb, the, are, are they gonna dumb has, this down? It has to be. Come on. Like, if you PG-13 a Deadpool film, people would lose but this, their shit. But this is X-Force. No, no. This is de- So that's the difference is um, in the comics, X-Force was a, a different take on, on how this works. So basically you have all the variety of different X-Men teams. So X-Force was the one that where they would... Um, basically take on, you know, sort of the black ops style missions for, for professor X or other, you know, other, other folks on behalf of the mutant community. And that would, they would sometimes like, uh, like Lego in different, you know, like sometimes bad guys, anti-heroes and heroes, uh, you know, Wolverine was a big, was you know, primary member of the team for a long time. Deadpool. They've, I think they've had Sabretooth, uh, who's buddy, buddy, stretch a bad guy. Uh, it, it's, it's more of a mixed bag. It's not like suicide squad kind of over the top kind of stuff. It's a much, um, it's a bit more mature 
you know, storyline. There, there's they don't shy away from killing folks in that thing. Uh, so it's it's designed as like, hey, well, while there's the outward face of like the mutant superheroes that in this huge IO campaign that's going on or an information campaign that goes on about how the mutants are presented to the rest of the world. The below the, the, the below the table part was X-Force, which was the behind the scenes, getting things done that, that were, you kind of getting your hands dirty type stuff. So I think that actually I've, they've talked about doing an X-Force movie in the past, even before Deadpool. And that, that was even one of the ones that there was comment. They're like, well, you kind of want to do this more, more R-rated anyway. So I, I'm not that worried about this kind of going down to PG-13. And I do agree that I don't think you could take uh, Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds out of the Deadpool-centric universe, drop into X-4, and then have that suddenly go down to a PG-13. I, I just I don't think that would work. So, it's, so I suspect what they're going to do is Fox is going to cherry pick which characters they own that they want to try to pull into this team. So what they're kind of doing, in my opinion, is they're carving out some pretty lucrative real estate in the in the uh, you know R-rated superhero superhero sort of vibe, and I suspect X Force is really just a way of capitalizing further on it. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, and they they'll likely be successful with it if they can kind of keep this is what what Deadpool managed to achieve. If they can kind of keep that rolling, I think it'll do pretty well. And you know, I think there's definitely a market for it. You know, to to have the superhero franchise, and we've seen so many of them but this is definitely kind of it's obviously a different take but it also kind of appeals to a different sort of sub audience within that group so it, it's refreshing to see a little bit of a, a unique twist on it and the wild bait has appeared welcome bait you uh you doing all right down there in florida hell yeah dude i'm actually on my way home right now i uh, ran into some traffic so i'm sitting here at a red light right now but yeah what's up everybody my name is bait and uh i am the resident florida man just survived the hurricane dude I'm glad you're safe, man. Drive safe. Don't don't crash. Talk on your cell phone. Oh, of course not. Man, not I, I, I'm telling you, dude. Uh, Mother Nature clearly was an ex-girlfriend of mine because she's come after me twice with both Harvey and Irma. And they got a third one coming in too, right? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, dude, his name is Jose. It's not getting to the U.S. No, well, I'm not a switch hitter, so it's probably, probably safe. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, welcome, Batum, and we are glad that you are safe. Oh, thank you, Pokey. All right, so moving along from that one, uh, so Netflix has been doing some some interesting stuff lately. Uh, if as you're as you're all probably aware, uh, they did kind of a reboot of Bill Nye the Science Guy, and it wasn't really a reboot; it was more of a talk show, and, and very mixed reviews on that one. It was really really bad. All you need to like, all you need to know about the Bill Nye thing is to to. Like, look on YouTube for a Bill Nye Saves the World video with Rachel Bloom in it, and you will you will need to like bleach out your soul after after you've you've seen that video. Um, they have they have officially ruined Bill Nye, and now they are going to uh, destroy my other treasured fam. Uh, you know, science childhood memory um because netflix is doing the magic school bus man no this is gonna be good <laughs> i don't know dude this is gonna be good i don't know so just you're wrong up mind ways up no i'm not no i'm not and watch it it's gonna be fantastic the problem with bill nye i feel like was that and this is just my opinion tell me if i'm wrong or not whatever I, I think that some, for some things, they tried to insert too much of a political ideology into into Bill Nye. 
And nobody really wants that in Bill Nye, right? But I don't. I I, I really don't think that they're going to try and do this or do that for Magic School Bus. Well, and this is this I is uh, this, I, is, I, I, this I, is Kate McKinnon is Kate the McKinnon. lead for this. Yeah, that one kind of threw me off because I'm. It's not. It's not Miss Frizzle, right? If you're, like, you're familiar with with the original, it's, it's Miss. It's Miss Frizzle's sister. Right. Even though they've got the original actress playing Miss Frizzle, I'm like, well, just just keep her. Like, I don't need a new one. Like, I'm fine with the old the old cast, pretty much. Like, uh, they probably had to pay her a lot for a cameo I and suppose. didn't really want her to be there for the whole thing. You know, you know how those things go. You, you you can pay you can pay David Hasselhoff for the pilot, but if you're gonna do a new Knight Rider show, you're gonna hire some young kid. That's how they do these things. <laughs> it, it's funny because um, Livy's son is getting to the age where he's really into that style of show. So I'm over there a lot, and, and he's been watching the Magic School Bus. Like, it's his his favorite show right now. And I remember I'm watching one. Wow, this – because I watched as a kid as well. And I'm like, this is actually, like, surprisingly good. Like, I don't remember it being this good. Like, it's I, – I really, really enjoyed it. it. It's actually fun to watch it again. Um having a bit more of an intimate understanding with the stuff they're talking about instead of, you know, being a eight year old kid and kind of getting it before. But you know, it was, it was a really good show and this one looks really different. Like they've definitely um, changed the art style quite a bit on it. They've obviously gotten some new characters. Um, it's going to be a big shift for people. And I think that, you know, while they're nostalgic for the show, with so many changes, it might lose some of that nostalgia appeal and that might be, Perhaps it's downfall, or maybe it'll pick up, you know, a new group of audience that that likes it. But um, it definitely has a more modern feel to it, opposed to the shit. Was it in the '90s it came out, like early 2000s? I forget. Yeah, this was '90s. '90s. I mean, I grew up with this stuff. Well, hopefully, Netflix has learned their lesson from just the the way that that Bill Nye saves the world, or whatever it was called, was received. Hopefully, that they'll look at that. They'll be like, oh, okay. Maybe we should run things differently, and I, for for Magic School Bus, and I I think that they will. Are you turning? Really are, are you turning bait? Yeah, sorry. Let me turn my blinker off. <laughs> no, we are we are live streaming the traffic. Use your blinker, right please. If you are turning, you should use your blinker. It goes for no, okay. listening to the I, show. I, too. No, 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 no. I've decided. I've decided. If I'm in the turn only lane, I'm not using my damn blinker. There's no need for it. See, people in Arizona That's don't even know where the blinker is, is so. Isn't that everywhere, though? Like, you'd just be driving around, some motherfucker's gonna pull out in front of you without a blinker. I feel like everywhere I go, that's how that works. Nobody uses their blinker. My, uh, my little brother, actually, uh, anytime he has to follow my mother somewhere, as soon as they get out of the car, he will inform her of how many different times she failed to signal a turn. Uh, like, it's usually like 11. Oh my gosh. All right, so yeah, it looks like Magic School Bus started airing in uh, 94, and then season four ended in uh, 97. So yeah, it went for went for a good four years there, three or four years there, so they had a good run with that. There's quite a few Wait, episodes. It, it, like, went, you know. it went off the air in 97? Uh, it looks like, according to the wiki, yeah. It would, went from September 10th, huh. 2014, or sorry, September 10th, 1994, to December 6th, 97, for a total of, looks like, uh, 50... 52 episodes? Yeah, it looks like that. So it was it was lengthy. Wow. But yeah, so I'll, I'll probably be watching this one as well since the kiddo will be, you know, they've got Netflix and he'll probably want to see the new stuff. So it'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys know what I what I think of it when it comes out. You give us but, the uh, Magic School Bus review. I, I will give you, because we talk about Deadpool straight into the Magic School Bus on this show. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it, it'll be interesting. It, it looks very different. I kind of tilted my head a bit seeing the the trailer, but you know, we'll we'll give it a fair shot, right? And back to uh, then we move on to you know zombie death fights. Yes, zombie um, death <laughs> fights. So <laughs> let's let's get back out of the nineties, back to the uh, you know nineties to two thousand seventeen here. But um, so Fortnite uh, game I've been playing a bit. Uh, enjoyable game so they've been talking a bit about doing a pvp game mode for quite a while and this is a game that i definitely picked up for a pve experience um not the kind of game that i i would flock to for pvp but they have released uh, or are going to release um a pvp mode and they've been talking about this for a bit and they straight out came and said that they like the battle royale style game mode from uh, player unknown battlegrounds very popular game right now we've talked about it a couple times i think um and they basically said we based our game mode Pretty much straight off of that. Uh, and honestly, it makes a lot of sense, I think, for the style of game that Fortnite is, where it's all about, you know, kind of exploration, scavenging, building what you can with what you find. And, um, you know, it, it fits that scavenger survival mode. So uh, normally Fortnite is a four-person co-op game, but for this new game mode, it is a 100-man battle royale. And so basically you fly in on this battle bus, I guess, which is basically like a weather balloon strapped to a school bus. Um, and you drop out and you kind of glide down to where you want to start. And then you scavenge for materials in the area uh, that you have available to you shrinks over time. So everyone's kind of pushed towards the middle of the map where they all, you know, fight it out. And the last one's standing in. So like they said, I mean, they straight out and said, yeah, we, we modeled this after um, uh, PUBG. So, you know, if you're looking for that style of gameplay this is going to be something like that um but it still has all of the um crafting and building mechanics that the main game has so if you're getting sniped you could actually quick throw up like a wall to, to block the shot or whatever um you could build a little fort you know, using the stone and bricks you find you know laying around that sort of thing so it still does have some of that Fortnite uh flair to it where it's crafting and, and building buildings and stuff like that uh but it is you know pure pvp this time around um because of the way that the characters in Fortnite work, it's going to be entirely separate from the main game. So everyone's equal. You don't have any of these crazy powers where you're, you know, pulling out a Gatling gun and, and mowing people down. It's going to be more of a fair, everyone starts the same sort of deal. Um, and you just kind of work your way up. So if you're worried about, like, being a new player in Fortnite, getting crushed by older players, don't worry about it. It's not on the same character progression like that. So it's just your PvP. It's, it's fair. So, um don't know about this one for myself. Uh, I had looked at, at PUBG in the past and decided, eh, it's probably not for me. Just I don't tend to like that style of game. Um, but I'll probably give this one a shot since I own Fortnite. So, you know, I'll, I'll try it out. But it's not something that I'm probably going to really dive into. But uh, it should be interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how the Fortnite style of gameplay actually works out in that sort of uh, PvP game mode. So it, it's it's going to be cool. And, and this is done by Epic Games, right? So these are the guys that make Unreal Tournament. So the Fortnite team is going to continue to work on um, the main core game. So don't, don't worry that, you know, development is being pulled away from PvP. They're still working in the PvE. They actually pulled in the guys that worked on the Unreal Tournament to come and develop the PvP side of it. So it's kind of two teams working in tandem on this sort of thing and uh, and pushing it out. So... You know, it should be interesting, and, and uh, you know, I'll give it a shot and give you guys my thoughts. It is available right now, kind of at a beta test. Um, you can go in and give it a shot, but they said, 
hey, it's going to be glitchy as hell, so don't complain about it. I mean, give feedback, but don't expect like a polished product here. Um, but then the main game, the main game mode will roll out on September 26th. So a couple more weeks to go on that, but uh, it will be, you know, out there and available. If you haven't picked up yeah, Fortnite, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, mate. I was just going to ask if that was going to be free, or is that like something I'm going to have to pay for if I were to go out and pick up Fortnite uh, myself? Well, Fortnite is is eventually going to be a free to play game um, with their you know kind of loot crate monetization sort of deal. Um, currently, it's an early access if you want to call it that, which costs forty bucks. Um, but there is a twenty five percent off coupon for the standard and deluxe edition up until uh, September eighteenth if you want to pick it up. So you can get thirty dollars for the the, uh, the standard edition, which is what I have, which is fine. Um, but this PvP game mode is included with the main game. Like once you have access, you've got it. So this isn't like a paid expansion. It's just part of the game. Um, so if you do have Fortnite or you pick up Fortnite, you will have access to this PvP mode along with everything else the game has to offer. And I, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this. I'm I'm waiting for it to go free to play, um, because I know that I probably won't have time to put into it until it is free to play, anyways. Um, but it everything I've heard so far sounds really interesting. It's a fun game. Um, it's everyone I've talked to has played it. Said it's a good game. It's unfortunate that it's a free to play game with monetization because it's. It doesn't ruin it by any means. It's not pay to win, but it does kind of have that lingering. It doesn't ruin it yet. It's got that lingering frustration of like, I just wish I didn't have to buy stupid loot boxes. I mean, you don't have to, but it it kind of encourages you to you know pick them up because it helps kind of ease the pain. If you want to open all those all those crates, you're gonna need those keys, man. Oh, they're just sitting. They're just sitting, filling up your inventory. The whole war barge full of them. Bates having you know PTSD about his uh, his loot boxes in Dust 514 and how he freaked out that there were so many of them that he couldn't open. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it, I, I really do suggest if you, if you do have the time to pick it up when it goes free to play or if you're eager, um, it's well worth money, especially with this uh, 25% off. I uh, don't think that that's them needing to to lower the price. It's doing quite well and it is a good game. Uh, I don't regret paying the 40 bucks I did to get in, so it's it's a good value. Now, when does it go free to play? I don't think they have an exact date on that, but I think they okay. said sometime 2018. Um, okay, cool. So I'm not sure what quarter, but uh, you know, at least you know probably six months or so. Okay, cool. I might give that a try then when it's free. Yeah, it's it's worth it. Now, when it goes free, are they gonna? Are you gonna have the PvP thing in there as well, or am I gonna have to buy that? No, nope, no, nope, it'll know? all be included. It is a free-to-play oh, okay. game. It's not cool. paid expansions. It's it's all through their stupid loot crate system. But you know, you know how it is. Every game's got one now. Oh, good guy, Epic Games. That's really cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. So speaking of loot crates and space games by CCP, uh, Eve Valkyrie is getting loot boxes. Because of course they are, because all games have loot boxes now. Um, I hate loot boxes, they drive me nuts, but they're obviously a very lucrative way of making games, making money in games, and expect to see more of them because they work. Um, I, I don't play Valkyrie yet, I probably will once the, uh, the Warzone update comes, and I don't need a VR headset for it anymore, but, uh, you know, loot boxes, yay. Um, no word on what they actually are going to contain quite yet. Um, this is probably kind of bundled in with a lot of the changes that are coming in Warzone. So it'll be interesting to dive into. I'll definitely be picking that one up probably when it comes out. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a good go at it. Be skins, I'm sure. I think they have skins. Uh, they yeah. they, they do. They do. Skins. They have um, 
they have both like uh, paint job skin things you can apply to the ships, and then I think they're also like kind of logo stamps you can put on them and stuff like that. Oh, like ship logos? I, be- I-, I think so. I'm trying to remember. That's cool. And another thing that actually kind of came out that kind of actually caught me by surprise in regards to you, Valkyrie, and I don't, God, please take this with a grain of salt. When the devs are talking about Eve Valkyrie and how they potentially want to do an Eve link with Eve Online, God help us all. Um, it's not going to be like, hey, you're actually fighting Eve players in their ships, but the devs are talking about like, hey, you can do certain missions um, in Valkyrie that could perhaps you know speed up capture of a system in like Fakwar uh, over an Eve. It's 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 probably very similar. What they're imagining is probably very similar to how Dust Five One Four worked with the faction warfare, where winning battles inside Dust would kind of help accelerate capture process for the Eve players. Um, you know, it actually it works well enough that it didn't have a lot of the tools you would need to really have a, an organized push like you would in Eve. But you know, it was it was a, a link that worked not great, but it actually did work in a in a fairly workable fashion. So, so Fact you know. War Fact War seemed to work pretty well. There were actually players in Eve that would contact Dust groups to get involved in Fact War, you know, and wanted mm-hmm. to wanted to fire. I mean, for for the the planetary conquest stuff was a complete nightmare, but the fact war stuff did seem to actually kind of get some traction. And if they can stick to a similar model where it's rewarding for any participation that either side goes on, um, you know, it, it should be fine. Um, but yeah, there will, there, there will never be a direct link because, uh, Eve has a server tick, it, you know, it operates on a one second clock basically for everything. So it, it, like a real time game, like a first person shooter or Eve, um, or uh, or uh, Valkyrie could never really share the same game space. Um, although you probably could get Valkyrie and 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 uh, like a Dust type of game to connect in theory. Zelda. But oh, don't fucking say don't, that. Don't don't don't, don't say it. I can I can don't, hope. Don't. I can dream, man. No, no, go play Star Citizen. Don't do it. <laughs> Star Citizen will give me this already. They, I can already do that. Yeah, that's fine. I yeah, mean, I, yeah, you know, and I, I've, I've, the Dust Discord is always chattering about this sort of thing, and I've always said, honestly, the one-to-one real-time interaction between Eve and anything else other than Eve is just, it's a pipe dream. Just like Zell said, the, the way the game works and the cycles it works off of, and God help us, we get into time dilation, the, the shit doesn't work. But if it's like kind of indirect interaction where the results of what you do can have an effect you know, down the line or indirectly to the other game. That's reasonable. It, like I said, it worked well in Fact War for Dust 514. I'd, it could work well for Valkyrie. You know? I'd really just like to see Valkyrie, like, overhaul their accounts system. Like, honestly, I could see a huge... I would like, you know, I liked when you could be in Dust or Eve and talk to Dust or Eve players through the same chat channels. Um, I, I would like to see them maybe work on connecting that, because one of the big weaknesses of Valkyrie is that Valkyrie doesn't actually have an account system. Uh, it uses the account of whatever uh, platform you're playing on. So if you have Steam, you are your Steam username. And if you're on PlayStation, you're your, your PSN name. And, uh, you know, Oculus has something equivalent. And because of that, because of the fact that they don't actually operate their own accounts, you can, uh, even though they have all this crossplay between VR, non-VR, console, PC... 
you can't play with people. You can't group up and play with people from other platforms because there's no way to connect to their accounts. And honestly, a huge step for, for CCP would just be to take the EVE account system and pasting it into Valkyrie and giving everyone a proper account connected to their character, which they could friend other characters and see whether or not they're online and like Blizzard does, see what game they're playing. That would that that yeah. alone would be a huge thing to just I let mean, us let us friend people across our games and play with them regardless of platform. You know, when playing Valkyrie, chat back and forth. That is really the the like that's the base level, and they don't even have that in Valkyrie yet. Well, so I think. Go, go ahead, Bay. Sorry, I was just going to say that Zell wants CCP to do something that that doesn't involve making news headlines by like you know, linking two games together like CCP seems to have a weird fetish for. There, there are a lot of things that CCP has bad. weird fetishes for. Um, VR is one of them. Yeah. It, oh my god. But, like, you know, and I think the, the one reason this, this link has, if you know, depending on what they do, has some chance of success is, of course, the fact that, um, you know, they're making it so that you don't need a $400 VR headset to play, you don't need a separate console to play, so you can actually, with one computer, play both games. Um, and I think that was a big part of the issue people had with the Dust Link, is that people were like, well, why do we have this game that we that was for console people affecting ours? And and so I think this might go over better with the EVE community. Um, but, like, just uh, CCP's obsession with being, you know, the exclusive launch platform stuff. Like, I, there was... Uh, some feature that that they're adding to uh, Spark, which I believe did launch this this past month, um, and there was a, a CCP like an Eve dev saying, "Oh, this I'm I'm I really need this feature," and I'm like, "I need it on PC so I can play it," <laughs> and I'm like, "And this is this is me on the other side of the the you know words that always came from people about dust." Yeah. Spark. I, I don't know if they would really invest the resources in, in... I mean, if you, like, for communication within the same game, sure. But if your games aren't going to interact one-to-one in real time, there's very little reason for them to actually to try to put the time and money into developing, you know, cross-game communication. I disagree completely. But you had an excuse in Dusk. You're like, okay, I'm actually dropping orbitals or whatever. That makes sense. I want to communicate that. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to voice chat, well, why... I, I, I'm not worried about voice so much because, uh, you know, especially on PC, people use third-party voice soft. I'm talking about text chat and, and friend, you know, friend requests and stuff, being able to see who's online and being able to send the messages on text. And it's actually, it's not more burdensome. It's actually easy or easier because they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They already have a chat server that works and all they're doing is plugging into their existing system instead of developing a whole new one. Well, okay, that's that's fair. I think for if it's just text, because I mean, you could say like, "Hey, I'm on Valkyrie. You want to hop off of Eve and come play a match with me?" Right. That, that's more to, reasonable. Maybe you're playing Valkyrie while you wait for for you know the the fleet leader that you're waiting for to to come online, and you see them pop online. And you go, "Okay, now I'm going to get out of out of Valkyrie and go log into Eve." Um, you know, whatever. That's that. But but I mean, the biggest thing is if they had their own account system in Valkyrie it would be easy to make it so that PS4 players and PC players could group up and play Valkyrie together because right now they can't. So I think there's a lot of benefit to be gained from really pushing more of a CCP account 
that is cross-platform and cross-game. We've actually had some other chatter, which, you know, in, in this has been really successful for Blizzard, is obviously with Valkyrie going to, to non-VR, meaning that anyone with a, a, a gaming PC or a reasonably strong gaming PC or, or console can play this game. It's, it's going to definitely broaden the, the player base that they have. It may make sense for CCP to move to kind of a, you know, eve launcher where they've got eve online and valkyrie and you know if nova comes out have nova built into that and they can have all of their you know pc games kind of built into the same launcher and then kind of structure the whole account friends list around that and they have to figure out something obviously for for the console players but you know that could be beneficial for cross promotion between games especially if they're you know even if there's no actual linkage obviously there's some thematic stuff going on there and you know, it's a good way to kind of cross promote. Like, hey, you like this one game? You could go do something else in the same universe. Just um, push one right button in front of you. To, Just push to this add the other game to your your library, and you know, I mean, Blizzard moved from having their like shop, like where you buy you buy both games and in game, like you know, if you want to buy loot boxes or card packs for Hearthstone or whatever, that was like solely a separate website, like the Blizzard Store website. And they've moved that in, like, well, I think you could still get to it on the web, but they've put a version of it right in the Blizzard launcher, so you can buy games and stuff for your games right in the launcher. Yes, that's not I mean, yeah, it's 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 really convenient, and I think people react to that well. Um, I, I mean, shit, Blizzard's even pulling in Destiny now into their I own launcher. Can, I think you can buy Destiny two straight from the Blizzard launcher and just push it. I, you know, actually, I'm pretty sure because. The Blizzard launcher isn't even loading. It's got a wait list to get into the launcher, which means, yep, Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something worth considering as well. I think that could do do them some real good. And, you know, I'd love to see some stuff uh, like Blizzard has been doing with, like, cross-game uh, rewards, right? So, like, you do something in this game and you get a reward in one of their other games. So that that's actually really neat. And I, I'd like to see more of that. That'd be kind of cool to kind of have it all feel like it's this one package um, that you can have, you have access to because it, it doesn't necessarily require a peripheral or console. It's just, here's everything we have to offer in, in one neat launcher and you can, you know, do what you will with it. So something for them to consider. I think that'd be, be pretty successful. All right. So speaking of, Project Nova, um, Bates, it looks like you said you found someone who had a leak about Project Nova potentially appearing at uh, <laughs> E-Vegas. Is this legit at all, or is this BS? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's legit or not. So, um, Blaziken, if you're if you're on the oh Discord, um, yeah, you, you, you know who Blaziken is. All right, is. hold on. Let, so, let me just frame this for everybody in the audience, you know, the millions and millions of Biomass fans. <laughs> The way this works is that we pick like a random redditor or dude on Discord and and just assume no, no, that no, whatever they're, they're, they're whatever cocaine filled yeah. ramblings he types is pretty much a straight hot scoop right out of the back of the dev like coffee lounge. Oh yeah. Honestly, the the, the way that this came about, it, it it was a fucking meme. I swear to God, it was. Um, but since Pokey brought it up, I will I, I'll go ahead and expand upon what it. You so, put it on oh, the it's, list. Po- it's I didn't fault. put it on the list. Pokey, tell us about this. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll talk it's about bullshit. it. I made, I made a Reddit Next. thread about it. it. It's bullshit. So basically, Blaziken, right? Um, he he goes and I, he has a DM on Discord with one of the CSM. I don't I don't know who it is. Um, 
uh, just Jintan or something. Some some fucking Eve nerd that lives in Nelsec. Um, and so he's talking with him, and Blaze is like, "So what can you tell me about Project Nova? Because the CSM minutes have just uh, have have ended, and so so that's where CCP flies out the CSM to, to Iceland, or they go, or whatever." And they talk about the future of Eve. CCP, you know, tells them, okay, we're working on this, this, and that, and here's the timeline. Now, what do you think, right? And so so Blaze says, hey, 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 what can you tell me about Nova? And and, and Jin says something. He says, da, 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 da. Project Nova D Vegas. It's going to be there. And so Blaze, being the smart, smart person he is, posts it in the, uh, he's like, no, 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 I got proof. I got proof. And so he takes a screenshot. And he takes a screenshot and he posts it in the Dust Discord, like general chat or Project Nova chat. So those are the those are the dank leaks that are coming out of uh, Dust Discord. So, I, I like how he he crosses his name out but leaves the source's name visible. Yeah, e- exactly, exactly. And so <laughs> that is, some, that is some like, pure journal journalism yep. oh, focus right there. Yep. Screw the source! I'm protecting my own rear. But it, it gets even funnier because because Ripley's like Ripley DMs me Ripley Riley and he's like dude you should totally make a Reddit thread about this for the walls and so I do it well like the thread has been up for like fifteen twenty minutes tops on on r slash eve and and then uh, the CSM who didn't have his name blocked out is like he replies in the Reddit thread he's like thanks and then he he puts um blaze's uh discord name and the the number that you can add so you can add him directly on discord he's like thanks man for leaking oh it my was, god what a hot mess no one talk to that guy if you know stuff <laughs> 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 or do i guess um just know you probably get burned for it and and, yeah. and this has gotten like 3600 views on uh for the uh the leaked image on imger the chat <laughs> paste <laughs> A lot of Quality. people have read this trashy post. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So that's so a hot good. mess. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about that. I mean, it, no, it won't be there. I, I don't. I don't know. The E Vegas is there. E Vegas is like a trade show. I know because I was just that yeah. one. No one's there to actually do work. They're there to party because I've been at E Vegas. No one gives a shit about Eve when they're at E Vegas. They're there to have a party. Um, so. Maybe, maybe they'll do like another vertical slice or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I love to see it. I love to see it, but honestly, this is pretty iffy. You know, I, I, we don't know if this is legitimate source or not, or if it's just some guy talking out his ass. So She's don't cool. don't go crazy thinking that it's gonna be like, oh my god, Beta announced it in E Vegas. That's not gonna happen. Like, no, they're they're gonna do stuff like that for Fan Fest if that's what they're going to do. Yeah, like if if they have like a playable demo, yeah, like I could see that maybe happening. It's not low happen. chance, but probably not. But it, it would stop there. Like they don't announce big stuff at E Vegas. E Vegas started as a fan event. Like it was just like, hey, let's all get together and talk about Eve and get drunk in Vegas, which is hey, fine. Hey, you gotta bear in mind that CCP chose eve vegas to announce it, it was it was uh uh atley actually who you skipped in the list and need to come back to but i'm it, segueing and you just ruined it right. by calling me out for it but go ahead a- anyways um god damn it eve vegas was where atley chose to share that ccp was laser focused you know that i was actually in that question line when he made that comment right I did not actually. I was. I, I, was, I did not I know was you were there. there. I was there. It was. You real. were there. <laughs> it was so real. 
No, I, I actually I was there um, for that. I actually I actually talked to that. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, we had a few drinks together at the, the party at the top of the world on the roof of the Rio, which is it was a pretty cool pretty yeah, cool I, party. I, I, I but, met um, I met know. him at FanFest. It was actually after he left CCP, but mm. I did meet him once. Uh, not enough to have recognized him before I heard, and that was at Limar. So, so Atli Mar, if, if you're not familiar, he was CCP Praetorium, and he was the creative director for DOS 514 um, in the initial stages. So uh, I believe he left shortly after, or perhaps resigned before. I, I don't know what went down, but I think it was after the, the Rouge wedding at, at FanFest 2014. Yeah, he, he left before uh, before my CPM term. So, bef- okay. you know, CPM zero, the announcement, kerfuffle, etc. He left, and then... Uh, I CPM one and our podcast. So he was good. He was no longer at CCP. I, I don't think he, he was, I do not think he was at CCP much longer than the podcast ran, if at all. Yeah. So it was, it was around that time where he, he resigned or was, was let go um, as creative director for dust 514. Obviously since the, the game was undergoing some pretty radical changes around that time. So that kind of made sense. But what happened is he actually went off on his own and started a, a company called Directive Games, and it's based in Shanghai, because that's obviously where Dust was being developed at the time. And so he he's the CEO and co-founder of Directive Games. Well, recently, I think yesterday it was, uh, Apple had their big um, showing of the new iPhone, an iPhone X, I think it is. And I'm not an Apple fan, so I didn't really watch, but what I did hear about is that they're like, oh yeah, and we've got a new game uh, coming out for augmented reality that's running exclusively on the new iPhone. Uh, here's Atli Mar from Directive Games. I'm like, huh? What? Him? I'm like, I know that guy. Um, and so he gets up on stage, and he's talking about a new game that he has been developing with his company called The Machines, and it is an entirely augmented reality game. So you're playing, basically, you're holding up your phone, and the camera's running, and it's reading like this so you're pointing at like a like a tank like a table right and so it's showing like 3d models sitting on top of the table so kind of like pokemon go right um but this is much much higher fidelity like 4k textures whatever um and it's a competitive multiplayer game that's entirely played through uh augmented reality through the iphone and so he's kind of showing it off and it, it looks it looks interesting. I'm not totally sold on the AR stuff yet, but you know, it was it was an interesting demo. Um, not quite like Hololens level of insanity, but this actually looks possible. But uh, yeah, uh, what did you guys think of that when you saw that? I wasn't. You know, it, it looks to me like really the AR bit is more just about camera control. It didn't look like it was like so much placing the combat on like whatever you had like a table. It really mm-hmm. was it really looked like it was just using the cameras so that you could, you know, if you move your phone towards where you the action, the phone zooms in the camera and you could move the you move the camera by moving the phone instead of, you know, swiping around and pinch to zoom and this and that. Yeah, so I mean when when you say augmented reality, basically it's it's VR in the sense that it is tracking your location and the direction you're pointing using visual landmarks from the camera. So in this case, he had a table, like it was like a blank empty table. And so the camera is looking at the table and going, okay, I kind of know what angle I'm tilted at, how far away from it I am. And so it can kind of track in 3D space where your phone is, where it's pointing, how close you are. And then it overlays 3D models on top of that. So 
what he was doing is he could basically like uh, he had little units walking around like it's almost like this RTS MOBA sort of deal where you're kind of moving units around to fight your opponent, uh, but you can move physically around the table with your camera with your phone rather and like crouch down and you can actually shoot the enemy with like a little crosshair on the on the, the phone screen. So if you don't have a good angle, you actually have to kind of crouch down and kind of lean to the side and, and you know get the proper angle and then the the image on the screen adjusts accordingly to where you're moving. Um, the sound changes based off of where you are from the combat. So if you step away from the table, the sound gets softer, that sort of thing. So it looks, it looked cool. Um, it's the kind of thing that will probably drain your phone battery in like five minutes. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see how good the iPhone's battery is. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it was interesting at the very least. It's, it's not something I normally would, would latch onto, but knowing, you know, Atlee and, and what he did with, you know, kind of the game that started this podcast. Um, it was kind of interesting to see that his company is actually producing um, our augmented reality stuff while, you know, CCP is producing virtual reality stuff. And it's it's kind of cool to see these two sides of, of that sort of media kind of expand and, and move forward. And uh, it has drop ships in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if, if you play Dust 514, you're probably familiar with drop ships. Now, I want you to imagine uh, a Kaldari dropship. You kind of know what it looks like, general shape, what you kind of expect, like from the nose cone, the engines, that sort of deal. In the machines, this augmented reality game, there are dropships. Now, I want you to take that same model. I want you to tweak it a little bit and color it red. It's the same damn thing. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a link in the description um, for the podcast here, but... There is like stark similarities between the Dust model and the the machines model. So I mean, he was a creative director for Dust, so it makes sense that he's kind of got this vision for what he wants things to look like. But it's pretty hilarious and how very very similar this is compared to the original. So you have to check it out. Tell us what you think. But that was a it was a pretty funny detail that uh, I think Janik actually found it and and pushed it our way on on the Discord. So. Uh, I don't know what, for that. I don't know what we do without Jadik. Jadik comes he up with all the he comes up with all the cool stuff we we talk about on the show. It's because he stalks people. Like <laughs> I think he watches every image through ArtStation and just searches for names and in references I, as much as he, he can. He probably does search for CCP devs like names into Google. Like I don't. He probably is like a, every couple of days he just goes and searches like for every employee of CCP to see what he can find. I don't know. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll get a picture up and you can take a look at that uh, the ArtStation link and it's it's pretty funny so good stuff it, it's not just that one dropship either it's like every image that I saw from from the from the machines it looked it, it, the because how many dropships were there Puggy there were three or four weren't there there were two well, there, there were, were two, two actual models they had oh, okay. they changed the colors on a couple of them to make them variants okay. but there were only ever two dropship models in Dust the Galante and the Caldari dropship no, I meant in the machines. I, I, I know. I know, um, no, I know does. Trust me. I, I only saw one, I think, but I have to look okay. again. There was quite a few images in that in that uh, that link I shared. All right. So moving along here. Uh, so Nintendo uh, has recently become notorious for making cool little consoles that have a bunch of retro games on it, getting everyone excited and then releasing like enough for 5% of the fans who want them. So, good news, if you missed out on the NES Classic, uh, Nintendo is going to resume production of it uh, sometime in 2018. Um, so, if you are considering buying one, don't 
pay a scalper like $300 for one because you can probably get it for, you know, 60 bucks. I think they were selling for uh, sometime next year. So hold off, probably worth, uh, worth the wait. Um, and then the SNES Classic, which is the you know the Super Nintendo version, was going to have like a, again like a limited window of production. Uh, Nintendo has confirmed that they are going to continue to ship them past the previously announced uh, cutoff time into 2018. So fear not, you have a chance to get them. I will probably try to pick up one of each if I can, um, just because. If you can get them for retail price, I mean, if I can get it for retail price, hopefully Nintendo's notorious, of course, for for never having enough hardware for their demand. But if I can get them for a price that is at or very close to retail, I will I will try to get one because they'd be kind of cool. I want to play Star Fox too because I've never played that before. Um, and uh, the only bad news about this is for anyone who actually forked up like two hundred bucks for an NES classic. You are that's on them. (laughs) That's on them. (laughs) Um. But, uh, yeah, this is just like one of those, like, it's like when, when, when a company has a product that people are like beating themselves up and mugging each other to get a chance at, why would you not be selling them? It's amazing to me. Like every other company on the planet wants this problem and Nintendo does not like know how to handle it. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just glad to hear that, uh, you know, I will have a chance to get them because, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to have. I mean, I have the originals, but it'd be nice to have, like, a new, fresh version that I'm, a, I'm not afraid to, like, turn on because it might explode. So, um, <laughs> my, uh, my mother sold my NES Classic. Or, no, she didn't sell it. She gave it to my cousin, and I'll never forgive her for it. So, this will be my chance. This is, this is my chance to have an NES again, even though it's not really an NES. Yeah, it's, it's still cool. It's still cool, though. Okay, so moving along here. Uh, so a, a while ago, there was a game called Project 1v1 that was actually being put together by Gearbox. This is the guys who did uh, Borderlands and, unfortunately, the ill-fated Battleborn. So they've had some hits and misses, and they kind of released this teaser for, hey, we're working on this like game where it's 1v1 real-time combat with a card game meta. And I think Jay and I kind of talked back and forth about how weird that sounded, but could potentially be cool. Well, apparently uh, invites for the beta came out, the closed beta. Uh, I unfortunately did not get one, but it sounds like, Zell, you did get your chance to to play this game. So what is it? I got the email. And so, you know, it just says Project 1v1, closed technical test, you know. And and, um, I don't think I'm breaking any rules by talking about it because it said, like, in two or three different places – do not take screenshots or video or live stream it. And I feel like if I was not supposed to talk about it, they would have taken the opportunity to also tell me not to talk about it. And they did not. Um, it's an FPS. Um, it actually, it feels very much like, um, I would say like a 1v1 uh, Unreal Tournament. It's it's not a super skill shot oriented thing, but it's very, it, it feels a lot like Unreal. It is Unreal Engine, uh, behind it um and uh they're all really they're really small maps that you just do a 1v1 combat match in or at least that's what i saw you know that's what they have here i mean they've said it's a technical test that it's not the you know end result of what content or features are going to be in the final game but it's called project 1v1 and i experienced a 1v1 first person shooter match or two so i get the general impression that that is exactly what it is. <laughs> um, it's it's one v one FPS. 
Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, the basic starter set, I had like two weapons and then like an ultimate missile fire thing that was on a cooldown and like a double jump and a back. And those were those were like the things that were from cards. So the starter card set is the abilities you have. Um, so you can you can create a set of you can create your set of gear and, and abilities from these cards that you get out of loot boxes. Um, oh, God damn it! But you get the loot boxes from winning matches too, so from playing ranked matches. So um, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be able to buy more of them because you know. Of course you will. Um, but that's basically what it was. I was like, seriously, the email didn't say what it was. They just said, you know, it's Project One V One. And, and the, the, it didn't have like a video intro or anything. It didn't tell me what I was getting into. I literally did not know when I hit play, whether I was getting a first person shooter or a MOBA (laughs) or like an RTS. I had no idea because I didn't really pay attention to anything that anyone had said about this game prior to them saying, here, click this button and play it. So it was kind of interesting. All right, it's by some weird marketing ploy of we're going to be super mysterious and uh, not tell anyone what we're selling, and maybe they'll be so curious they'll just buy it. Well, they're not selling it. It is a technical test, and that's fair. Um, Yeah. But but it was like the thing is, is it feels like a game mode more than like a whole game to me. I don't know. Like I've played plenty of Call of Duty games that had like a two v a one v one, two v two, and three v three mode. I actually really like like. 2v2 first person shooter is is actually a really fun experience. I really enjoy it. Um and this isn't that cuz it's just the 1v1 and that's it. So at least so far. Um so I don't know. It it feels like something that they could have just thrown into thrown on top of another game rather than being its own thing, but but what do I know? Well, I mean, they made Battleborn, so they aren't always the best judgment, but you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm curious to see when more information comes out on this and we can kind of get our eyes on, on what it exactly looks like. And like I said, unfortunately I didn't get a, a code myself, but uh, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll talk about it some more and I hope to God they announce Borderlands 3 at some point. Cause that's what I really want to play. Didn't they do that tech demo test for Borderlands for, well, yeah. it wasn't for Borderlands yeah. 3, but, but it, it was, was obviously Borderlands. Borderlands 3. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it looks great. That's the thing. They're like, oh, yeah, we've got like 80% of our staff working on a big ongoing franchise, and here's a tech demo that's clearly Borderlands, but they won't actually say yep. we're doing mm-hmm. Borderlands 3. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, guys. We all know. Um, I just want to play it, damn it, because I love that series. All right, so doing good on time here. We won't take too long in this next one, hopefully, but uh, Destiny 2. Uh, I have played it. Jay has played it. Have you played it, Bait? What? No, okay. So that game came out, and I totally didn't realize that that game had came out. And then I saw people playing Destiny 2. I'm like, the fuck, dude? The beta ended a long time ago. What are you doing? He's like, no, dude, the game came out. Like, oh, okay. It's not like you were in the middle of a hurricane or anything, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) That messed me up. Fucking, yeah. So, so yeah, we we tried out uh, Destiny 2. I have cleared the main campaign, so has, uh, so has Jay, uh, so let's Already? talk about this. Well, let's talk about the story first, Jay, because that's that's kind of sure. important to clarify. Um, so the the main campaign, the way that Destiny Two is set up, is that in the first game, it was pretty much like here, do your fourteen whatever missions, and that was basically it. That there was no other plot beyond that. This game is 
similar in that it's kind of a very tight, concise, you know, do a mission on this planet, get to the main social hub, go to the next planet, do a mission, get to the social hub, go to the next planet, so on and so forth. So you kind of cycle through all the areas and then you get to the end encounter and you beat the game. And that's kind of what propels you through the story. However, most of the actual plot, like the, the kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of what you're doing is in these things called adventures, which are things you actually kind of have to venture out into the world, the, the planet you're on, and find. And then it kind of sends you on this little mini mission to explain some lore and, and tells you what's going on. And, and that's kind of where most of the, the chunk of the plot is. I have not completed all of those by any sense. There's quite a few of them. Um, they're pretty good. Uh, I have just completed that main, like, straight-through progression to the end final boss just to kind of get to level 20 and, you know, get all of that stuff rolling. Um, and that probably took six hours, six to eight hours. Eight would be if you're kind of taking your time with it. Uh, pretty quick. But the pacing on it felt pretty good. Um the general bare bones of the story was, was way more than the first game. Like it, it's still an FPS. So if you played an FPS campaign, you kind of know what to expect. It's not going to be this big, epic, long, you know, final fantasy style story. It's, it's pretty short and concise, but it's about what I expected, but it was still way better than the, the flimsy story we had in the first game. So in terms of pacing in the plot, it was pretty good. It was it was on par with what I would expect from the genre, uh, and definitely an improvement from the previous game. Yeah, I would uh, I'd kind of echo you know Pokey's general comment about that. We won't get into any spoilers about it, but it, if you've watched the trailers, you definitely get the gist of it. You know, the alien force known as the Cabal have sort of assaulted Earth, and they've uh, they've pretty much devastated the you know the last city, and, and you you spend a good part of the the story basically kind of in guerrilla warfare mode. And then, you, you know, there's some climactic things that happen towards the end. So just a, a, a quick, uh, a quick discussion about kind of how the single player story works really in destiny and, and to a degree in, in a lot of other, you know, significant FPS games, call of duty, you know, springs to mind. It, a lot of people, you know, particularly in call of duty, for example, wouldn't, didn't even play the single player mode. They just hop right into multiplayer uh, in Destiny, that's not really a thing. You kind of have to at least start parts of the, uh, you know, part part of the the story campaign. In a lot of these games, they're they're really designed for that six to eight hour experience. Six is you know six or seven is probably more accurate. Uh, eight hours. I, I took a lot of time, had some breaks here and there, and it was probably about eight hours total gameplay. If you're really really hammering through all of like seventeen missions in the main storyline, so. It, ultimately, what it's designed to do is get you to a point in the game where you understand all of the things that you can do in the game, and you get leveled up to a, to a a steady point. So basically, in Destiny, the way progression works, you have your character levels, but then you have your power level, what they used to call light level. Well, you got to get to level twenty. Right? That's that that opens up a lot of the other things in the game. You get access to a lot of other tools and things like that. Then at that point, it's really about building up your, you know, you know, building up your gear, so to speak, and rounding out the different things you want to do in your subclasses. So pretty easily you you get to level 20, which, you know, by finishing the, the campaign, you've acquired some pretty good gear at that point. Uh, and you've probably capped off at least one subcap subclass and you've maybe spread it out between one or the other two. So, it's not exactly a eight, an eight-hour tutorial, but if you do the if you do actually go through the quest, 
um, the series of quests. It's 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 a pretty good pretty good venue into really learning the game. What that what ultimately does is it allows a whole lot of other things. You get into a whole whole lot of other things uh, outside of the main story quest. And really, the DLC in in Destiny is predominantly it comes in in one big package of here's more stories like you know here's like another eight or ten story quests on this different storyline about you know this faction or entity or whatever and here's some extra loot that goes with some you know uh like dlc specific loot or something that goes with it like new exotic weapons and armor and things like that so overall i would say it's dramatic improvement in terms of actually having a world built in story uh just one quick note about the the environment of destiny uh, we could probably do a much longer show and talk uh, talk a lot about this. And, and I think if you look at how they're doing it and a little bit about how Overwatch has built a really vibrant world around a game where they don't really directly address many things in the game, uh, Destiny is building a really, really deep and vibrant kind of game world. They go into, there's a lot more, you know, backstory things if, if you want to go find them. There's a lot more... Uh, little hints in there. If you actually pay attention to the words that some of the characters are speaking to you, or some of the lore lore cards, or like the kind of the the blurbs that are associated with different pieces of armor, or you know things that you see in the game, it tells you somewhat subconsciously a whole lot about what's going on. And you start to learn there's some really fascinating parallel understories about uh, you know, some of the different characters that you interact with and even some of the ones that were from destiny one that you don't see in destiny two, at least not yet. So that being said, all that huge ad, big win, um, pokey, let's, let's kind of jump right into the nuts and bolts of the gameplay. Um, I, I would say generally I was a little concerned about the fact that they did not quite homogenize the, you know, how you select your character progression, but they definitely streamlined a lot of it. Um, uh, and then they streamlined a lot of the, the gear management, you know, like how you level up power, you know, via your gear. And then they've also like dropped the PV. They've really distilled PVP down to a four V four only experience with a variety of different styles of game modes in there, but it's really a four V four experience. Um, so just broadly kind of within those sort of things, what were your, your sort of takes on destiny in terms of how they, some of the changes that they made from D one. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, they definitely watered a lot of the, the choice down. It became less of a, you know, select this mix of perks you would like and more of a select a sub subclass. You're, you're kind of picking one of two paths within, you know, your subclass. Um, and you know, so it overall, like they, they fit well together. Like um, I know that we, we had some, some concerns about, you know, the, the PVE not feeling very good because they had toned everything down for the PVP. Um, I would say that they that was actually much improved with the final release of the game. Um, you lost a lot of that choice, but the, the kind of the kit that they give you, like the passive skills they give you, um, you can't pick which ones you want, but the ones they picked for you work pretty well together, at least with the, the Hunter class I've been playing with. So it, it actually felt good like it had a good game feel to it and that's important um a shame that you lose that customization but you know at the very least it, it was a good feeling game um 
all in all, it's still a Destiny game, though. Um, I didn't feel out of place at all from moving from the first game to the second game. It, it, the core kind of feel to everything is is still definitely there, and, and I definitely had fun, you know, with it. There were some moments where I did some cool, like, slide under the guy and jump above, and then just, like, drop on this one guy with the knife. Like, it, it was like, whoa, that was that was badass. So, you know, it's got that going for it. And, and so, you know, the streamlining was unfortunate, but I think overall the experience was still very solid. And if that, you know, was necessary to kind of deliver a more solid experience, then, you know, the concessions can be made. I wish they wouldn't, but... I wasn't disappointed with the experience. Um, as for the PvP, I did give that a bit of a shot. Um, I played a fair bit in the beta. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot uh, in the, the final release because I've been busy this week, but I did do a few matches in the competitive mode, which is kind of a, a more high-intensity, you know, tight match. It's still 4v4. Um, I'm kind of with Jay. I'm not a huge fan of the 4v4. I think it feels a little too... Too small, I guess. I, I really like the six v six. That that felt like a good size, and and the drop to the smaller game mode was was unfortunate. Um, and what that gets you is it's it's very hit or miss. So like with the competitive mode, I went in with three people, so we had one random with us in the group of four, and it was very 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 clear when you were fighting a group of people who came as a group and a group of people who did not, because it was either yeah, it was fairly well balanced or you absolutely destroyed them. So. If you want to do competitive, you definitely don't want to do it alone. Um, it's just it's going to probably be a really bad experience. You want to group up with a, a group of guys that can actually communicate and, and do it. So word of warning there, it can be rewarding, but it is kind of inconsistent, the sort of experience you're going to be giving. Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of my my take on it as well. The, I, like I said, I'm, I, I have not enjoyed many PvP uh, FPS games like you know, we we all we all came from like a dust background and stuff like that. But uh, like Call of Duty didn't really like Battlefront. Okay, I, I kind of like Star Wars Battlefront a little bit. It's just I, I just like the setting. Um, PUBG is is pretty good, but again, not really my style of gameplay. Uh, so Destiny the the D1 PVP, particularly the six v six versions, worked really well. Like I enjoyed it. It was just for me just how i play and kind of where my where my games at it was it was just a little bit more fun you know i mean it's it's not it's a simple preference it's not we're not i'm not bagging on their pvp i'm just saying like for me personally i i just didn't like it as much that's all um i i have noticed that uh much like what pokey said the uh, if you'll notice the clan tags on people really quick now in pvp and if you go into a match and there's like three four guys on the other side of the same tag you're you're probably in for a long match or a quick one, depending on your point of view. So there's a little bit of that, uh, a little bit about the, uh, the character progression. One of the cool things in, in D one that I liked is you basically, when you leveled up an entire like subclass of whatever you like to play, Titan, Hunter, Warlock, whatever you, you would level them up and you generally, if I remember right, you had like um, seven or eight, like kind of caught like vertical columns and you picked one of three options in that column and then you can sort of arrange them to get certain different types of benefits and effects depending on how on what your play style was so ultimately you you in theory probably had like 27 or some odd different variations or more of how you wanted to play like a hunter or a titan or a warlock and uh they, they've definitely kind of you get there's a lot of those choices still there but really they're not choices so they basically said here are what i think they did is they picked here are the the four 
they come in like little clusters of four, basically. So you have your subclass. Let's say I, I play a warlock quite a bit. So uh, you go into like the arc class, uh, you know, the, elect the electricity, if you will, warlock. And it's got two kind of clusters uh, of skills that you can you can select on. And you literally like you can you have to level up or you know, fill out or get skill points for each one of them. But all when you activate one cluster, it activates all four at a time. And those four, when I look back and I remember it, I was like, you know, that's that's pretty close to what I would have ran in old D1, for example. So they, they probably took the most likely or most ran options or clusters and kind of built two per subclass. Uh, so you, you kind of really have six macro choices per Titan Hunter or Warlock. It's act, it seems like it's really it's really dumbed down. It's not, but is I don't know that it's dumbed down, but it's definitely streamlined uh, significantly. So that all that being all that all that aside, I think that is going to suit people better in some cases, and you know middle ground for others, and you know you may or may not prefer it. I like having more choice, even though I likely would have picked something similar to the clusters they offer me. It's just the option of flexibility. So it's kind of a push. That's literally like kind of season to taste, if you will. The one thing I did want to talk about is like how you level you level up your gear is is noticeably different. There's a couple things that have changed. So usually you get like an exotic rifle or really high end legendary or something like that. And you you know, it's only relevant for so long because of the power level. You can pick up like a really badass rifle and it's like a power level of 150 and that's you know, midway through the story. Um, and then very quickly, you'll find yourself, your general power level is you're operating at about 225, 240, somewhere in there. Uh, and so that really cool rifle you liked, uh, at face value, it's not, it's, not, it's not useful to you anymore, but you can infuse a rifle. You break down another piece of equipment uh, of the similar type. And then it brings it up to that power level. So in theory, you could have like that legendary rifle you got earlier in the game. You get a common, you know, or rare rifle uh, that's got a much, much higher power level. What you can do is infuse or you basically break that thing down and it, you know, it, it raises the power level of your exotic. They have made it a lot simpler because in the previous editions of Destiny, not only did you need to crush down a variety of different engrams and things like that to get these sort of legendary shards and there's like multiple different types of currency. And then you had to basically uh, play, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, scavenger hunt all over the different maps for all these different, like sort of area specific, uh, like space vegetables, space rocks, doodads or whatever <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, literally that's what they were. I mean, it's like, yeah. find the dusk bloom from the so-and-so hive ship, you know, what the fuck is this? And you got to collect like 12 of them in order to, upgrade your exotic that is no more you simply just have enough exotic sh or uh, legendary shards which you can get fairly fairly routinely uh once you get kind of past the story mode you can and you just keep upgrading your weapons and keep them current which is a fan that is a great upgrade in terms of lowering the the you know, sort of the the butt pain threshold on uh keeping your gear current things you really like to play so the gun that the, the the moment-to-moment -moment gunplay, it's definitely, you know, more Destiny. It's a its a little bit more, it's a little different in a couple areas. They've, they've modified a few things, but it's not bad. Uh, they have definitely changed some things since the beta for the better in terms of how fast you recharge and different things like that. And because I, I play a Warlock, you know, heavy on the space magic, I have definitely tuned it for more uh, energy or ability recovery. And that, 
that is much more, and it is now much closer to what I remember in D1 being able to do. It's still definitely slower in terms of your ability to charge your melee, your special melee attack, your grenade, and your uh, your super ability. It's definitely not quite as much. This is not as noticeable in PVE because there's ways that you can cycle that faster. And particularly if you have some team synergy, you can really actually kind of create like a space magic machine, if you will. Uh, I coined that phrase right then, by the way. <laughs> uh, in PVP, it is much more noticeable. And again, you've got 4v4. So you're, if, you're, if you're reliant on your abilities, not your gunplay, that is a serious uh, impact on your on your playstyle. So I play a warlock, which means it's heavy on space magic, not so much on mobility or staying power, like you know raw raw buffer or HP like a titan. The so when I played P, uh, Destiny One PvP, I was a grenade melee machine. That's that's how I built. I cust I really custom laid out my character to go after melee and grenades uh, utilizing the warlock. And I was, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's pretty successful with it. You cannot, you cannot do that very well in the current PVP model. Uh, so a uh, little, little out to lunch on that one, maybe. Uh, so I'm not real sure. I will say that they've, you know, some of the other things they've done, uh, they do have a lot more you can buy in the, in the Eververse. That's the end game store. You, you spill, spend real money, that kind of thing. And a lot of it is customization, truly, but you can also get some things that actually affect gameplay, but nothing's like over the top crazy. Uh, it's, it's predominantly customization. There's some things you can get with your ships and your sparrow bikes and things like that. But overall, not too bad. It's not overly aggressive in terms of the monetization. It's, it's, it's pretty well balanced because I think they recognize you just paid like, you know, full game price for it. Uh, so overall, I, I like it. Uh, it is better i think overall uh, there are some elements that are that are different don't so don't go twitter crushing me and if you want to twitter uh, twitter troll me it's at ocd trekkie so thanks <laughs> yep. I'm, all, I'm all about helping you out man so it, it's uh i would say overall it is definitely a, a an advancement on destiny one it is different and there may be some areas of it that you may not prefer as much but i in the in the overall uh, I kind of grade this as a as a as a good extension of Destiny of the Destiny franchise so far. Montage ended. Yeah, it's uh like like you said, it, it's definitely an improvement. Um, it's not anything like amazing, groundbreaking, full 180. You know, but I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it's it's definitely it's them showing they started with the Taken King. It's definitely a good good step in the right direction. This is another really good step. They're getting there. Um, it's kind of reinvigorated my my faith that they can actually pull this off, and and they've done a good job at developing a a world and a story that I actually care about. Um, it's nothing you know breathtaking. This isn't like blockbuster level of writing here, but you actually kind of you, you give a damn now, um, and that's definitely an improvement. Um, like you said, lots of quality of life improvements, um, streamlining, I guess, uh, in some ways, like the customization of the characters. An unfortunate thing that happens, um, but like you said, it 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 makes sense. The stuff that they put together, like if you look and you kind of look at all four, you're like, okay, I can see what they're going for there. Like I play right now with uh, the gunslinger, and it's kind of the, the lower path. I forget what it's called, but it's all about precision. So if you get precision hits, it charges your super faster, and if you get precision hits with your super, it produces orbs of light, which helps 
other people get there super faster, which it's like you said, it's kind of a space magic machine of of kind of good synergy that you can kind of build up. And so it makes sense. I, I don't feel like I pick the, the kit and go, well, that 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 skill's useless. You know, it, it makes sense that they clustered them together. And I probably would have made very similar choices, but that that feeling of a loss of choices is unfortunate. Um, other quality of life stuff though, like before you had to go pick up bounties at the tower and then you go out and, and execute them. And bounties were just like, go kill X number of this alien with this gun or whatever. Now they're just kind of with you. And you once you complete them, you just go turn them in. There's no more shuffling how many bounties you can hold, which ones you want to hold at the same time. They're just with you and they get completed as you complete them. So that's a really nice quality uh, quality of life improvement. No more going back up to orbit and back down every time you want to do something. It's all just you go onto the planet and you can just do everything you want seamlessly. Really good improvement. So like you said, overall, very streamlined. They've, they've definitely made some really good quality of life changes. Um, perhaps removed some of your ability to make bad choices with the customization. But like I said, what they did do with it was it was smart, um, it, but it does kind of take away some of that customization that you might like. Um, as for the monetization, uh, one kind of interesting uh, debate that started is that in Destiny 1, there were shaders, and shaders were applied to your armor, and it would change the color of your, your whole setup. So you'd, you'd put the shader on, and it would turn you know all your armor pieces gold or whatever. And they were unlimited use. You would just put it on, it was kind of like a, like a module you would slot in, kind of like a gun or whatever. It wouldn't be consumed or anything. Well, Destiny 2 comes around, and they've got the Eververse you know, loot boxes. And we were like, okay, or, or bright engrams. And we're like, all right, so you're probably going to have some shaders in there, fine, whatever. What they didn't mention up until that point was that in Destiny 2, um, you when you use a shader, you can apply it to one of your four pieces of armor instead of everything at once. So you've got some more customization there. But once you use the shader item, it is consumed. So if you use your purple dye or whatever on your space wizard cloak, and you get a better one or want to change to a different one, you don't get that shader back. It's been consumed. It's 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 been used to dye that piece of armor, that color or whatever. And this kind of upset a lot of people. Um, I come from Final Fantasy XIV where the system like that is similar. You buy dyes and they're consumed when you use them. So I kind of shrugged my shoulders and went like, eh, that's whatever. I'm, I'm used to that. And you can, of course, buy them you know, through monetization if you want the special cool metallic ones. So I didn't really care. But a lot of people were really upset by this because they went from Destiny 1 where shaders were unlimited and you could just, once you had it, you had it. And now it's consumable and undoubtedly because you need four of them to dye your four pieces of gear. And the most reliable way to get them is to purchase these bright engrams people felt a little betrayed because they're like, uh, I feel like you've taken a feature away from me and, and, and monetized it. So that was kind of an interesting controversy that popped up. I personally didn't care, but I can kind of see where people are coming from because they kind of changed the status quo on how they were doing cosmetics and definitely did not mention that bit until after the game came out because they knew it would start a shitstorm. So that's been a bit of a point of controversy in the game. I'm not sure how people feel about that. Um, I, I don't think Jay is probably too big into you know playing Space Barbie, but uh, uh, well, I, I no, I don't get me wrong. I like I I actually enjoyed that quite a bit out of Destiny because it was like a, a full match set that you know that that it changed your whole look. Here's what I will here's what I will tell you. I was a little I was a bit I was you know not skeptical or torn up about it. I mean I I 
I enjoy that kind of stuff for what it's worth. But um, otherwise, you know, if you don't like it, you'll just use the default character in any game. And I don't do that. I was, I'll, I'll fret like for 30 minutes over creating a perfect character that you rarely actually see on screen. So um, I will say this, I, after having gone through the entire, you know, the entire campaign, you know, probably got about 20 hours in destiny so far um, you get a ton of shaders. You, you will get a lot of shaders as as the game progresses, you get more than you think you do, uh, and and that's not bad. I mean, I think that's okay. So the other thing you can do as you level up and you you do certain uh, milestones, they call them milestones in the games, is sort of these you know sort of click off things that you're doing, almost kind of like getting trophies. Uh, you get these br- things called bright engrams. So there's the different engrams you get for like weapons or armor or stuff like that, and they're kind of in your classic color scheme of you know. Green common, blue rare, purple legendary, you know, gold you know, or yellow is, is exotic. Uh, so you get those, uh, but there's a thing called a bright engram that you can get, which is that you can only open in the Eververse store. And this is, you get this through gameplay and you open it up and it's, it often comes with several shaders, different types of shader, a pack of shaders, if you will, uh, you know, skins, skins for your ship or this, that, and the other. It, it it's pretty neat. It comes with, and occasionally you'll get some pieces of gear out of it too. And that's stuff that you just earn. Uh, so overall, I mean, I got, I've got like, Jesus, you know, like 20, you know, probably 20 different 18 or 20 different color palettes of shaders unlocked with anywhere from two to eight, uh, copies of each shader. So I, I have the ability to kind of, you know, do whatever I want with that. Uh, and it's actually not, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be because they've made the drop rate on shaders, you know, pretty palatable, you know, to, to go, you know, basically do. The other thing is when you get faction or really, they don't, they don't have factions kind of like they did in D1 where you had to like do loyalty to like the, you know, dead orbit or the hero or whatever, or the hero font or whatever. Uh, and you, you earn faction loyalty. They don't quite do that. So basically when you're, conducting missions and patrols in different zones that sort of counts as a faction so you can you can earn street cred if you will or reputation with like the gunsmith banshee 44 in the uh you know in the social space you can earn um reputation with the you know the character uh gavram in the european dead zone the earth basically the earth battlefield and you exchange things for for that reputation and then in the packs that you get Often you'll get some shaders with that and some gear when you like level your uh, your reputation level up with them. So other, overall, it's that's not that bad of a system. I thought I thought it was like I said much more palatable than what I was led to believe when I first fired the game up. Yeah, no, it's 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 like I said, it's definitely a downgrade from having the unlimited, and you're you're gonna have to if you want like a specific rare one that you have to grind through the raid to get. Eh, grinding is is annoying, but that kind of is the name of the game and this sort of thing. So. I'm used to it. it. Doesn't really bother me so much, but you know, I, I do understand that people were a little, a little frustrated with it. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that one because it was a, it was an interesting one that everyone was freaking out over and banning the game, refusing to buy silver, and I was like, eh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, eh, it's, it's whatever. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some monetization stuff in there. It's honestly, guys, it isn't annoying as it is. It's going to be in, in games moving forward. To be fair, the price point of release games hasn't changed from 60 bucks in a very long time, and the price of games has gone up, so they're finding ways to make money otherwise. 
And honestly, if if you can keep the game at sixty bucks, and I have the option to spend more, but I don't have to spend more, that's probably an overall good thing, even if it does come with some minor annoyances. So that's kind of my thoughts on that one. Um, but yeah, um, kind of to wrap it all up, it's it's a solid game. I it it's about what I expected, um, which was a, a a gradual improvement from what we've seen before. And I think that if they continue along this path, it'll be you know it'll turn out to be a really really good franchise. I think they're kind of getting their feet wet and learning how to do things and and learning from mistakes they've made, and, and that's a good thing. So overall, Destiny Two. Um, pretty solid game it's it's not the best game ever but it's probably worth your time if you liked destiny one uh it's definitely better than the original so that's kind of my my 30 second review on that one um so yeah i think that's uh that's about it what we've got for today um we obviously didn't get our reviews done for kind of our free games uh for this week bait was underwater and i was in las vegas business so I uh, do apologize for that, but we will try to get back to that next week. Was there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we bring this one in for a close? I actually installed Witcher 2 again while I was uh, uh, waiting for the hurricane to pass through. Um, so that's been really fun to play. Um, last time I tried to play, I, I couldn't really get into it because the... the Witcher's funny. The combat in, in, in those games is like... Like, it's bad in the first one. It's poorly done, I think, in the first one. And then it, it gets better in the second one. Supposedly, it's the best iteration of combat uh, in Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. But I, I, I've been able to, to get to where I can manage the combat into it. it th- that game is really fun. So I've been having fun with that one. Cool, cool. And speaking of, of Witcher and specifically CD Projekt Red, one game that I am going to keep my eye on that's starting to kind of get some more buzz lately is uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I think it is. Um, that one looks looks interesting. Um, CD Projekt Red, obviously the guys behind you know Witcher Three and the Witcher franchise have just been making fantastic games. And if they're gonna take their hand in a cyberpunk game, yeah, I'm in for that. So we will probably be watching that one and some more details emerge. It's been kind of buzzing a bit more this year, so uh, I'm looking forward to some more of that. But uh, yeah, guys, let's let's close this one up here. It's been a good show, but let's do some shout outs. So Zell, you're up, man. Yeah. So um. A friend of mine brought uh, something over to my house. It was a little strange, and I, I tried it. Um, there's there's a lot of great stories that can immediately come from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, I know. Um, I'm, I'm I'm just saying, man. You know, you know these things get recorded. It's going to be out in the air. So just watch what you say, okay? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'm guessing this is like the new like the fall promotional uh you know flavor, but they have apple pie Oreos right now. Hmm. They're apple pie Oreos. They're they're like they're like the the white Oreo cookie, like the, the with yeah. uh, like apple pie flavored cream in the middle. Oh shit! Dude, were they good? That's yes, good. yes, they were good. Oh. Thumbs up, Oreo. I mean, Oreo has had some real hits and misses. Um, the birthday cake Oreos are terrible, but the, but like the apple pie Oreos, it's a little like going to Baker Square right there. Going to where? You don't have Baker Squares down there, do you? No. I, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about, Sal. I, I went to the Minnesota. So so um Baker Square is a kind of diner style restaurant that is known for serving pie. And and they actually on Wednesdays you get pie for free with your, your meal. Um 
That's like the sole reason you go to Baker Square is to go on Wednesday to to get free pie. Um, But yeah, apple pie Oreos, I presume they're a limited time thing for like the harvest season or something, you know, Um, I'm I'm I think they're great. I'm going to try and pick up a package of them somewhere. We're also entering the time period of everything is pumpkin spice. Scott, help us all. We are. These are these are not pumpkin spice Oreos. I'm sure There's those exist. Those soon. I'm no, they, sure they exist. I'm sure someone's done them. Oreo but has, this is apple pie. They have a pumpkin. I'm sure they do. All right, bet you're up, man. Yeah. So uh, I haven't really done anything. I've been underwater for uh, the past three days. Uh, we didn't have power for 16 hours, which was which was cool. But uh, big shout out to uh, the Jacksonville Electrical uh, Authority um, for getting our power turned on uh, a lot quicker. Uh, that we had expected. I know there's a lot of people down there in South Florida who uh, who aren't going to have power for. Um, so I'm just thankful that we were able to get all of our stuff uh, uh, sorted out. So big shout out to them. Um, this is going to be weird, but shout out to Comcast and uh, AT&T. So I assume this was statewide, but uh, Comcast has these these hot spots all over the uh, all over the city at least. I, I don't honestly don't know if it's all over the state. Um, but if you're a Comcast member, you can connect to these, um, uh, the, these Wi-Fi uh, points, um, and it's, it's only for Comcast members. But Comcast said, you know what, with the hurricane coming, we're just going to open it up to everybody. Um, so they opened it up, and then their shit went down. Um, but at least they made an effort, so shout out to Comcast uh, for that. And, and then this actually happened this morning. Um, so I go in and I'm in a, uh, somebody sends me a link to a story and it's these two Florida men, uh, about 10 minutes down the road from where I live who got arrested for stealing one of the city's electrical power poles that they were going to put up is the epitome of Florida man at this moment. So shout out to those guys for being absolutely fucking retarded. That's my shout out. Alrighty, so for me, my shout will probably go to uh, you know Atli Mar over at uh, over his new studio there. Um, like I said, I met the guy; he's a cool dude. Dust didn't work out. It, you know, just this sort of thing happens. But I do hope that he does well with his new game and continue making trolley dropship models to kind of poke fun at CCP because that's hilarious. So shout out to you. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, yeah. Okay. So quick shout out to uh, pretty much. Anybody in the southeastern corner of the United States? I, I kind of joked about it earlier in the show. Like, uh, so I was uh, involved in the hurricane Hurricane Harvey action going on earlier. Uh, that was more kind of work related. And then uh, here recently, you know, like the, the hurricane actually like went pretty much right, you know, pretty close to where, where we uh, Irma went, pretty much right over us, and went went through bait to get to me. And uh, I was, you know part of the emergency response teams down here. And it was, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, it is, it is off the hook, you know, when you think about things like six and a half million people without power, things like that. I mean, it's, it, it's some like Lord of the Flies shit. And uh, it's, it is kind of interesting watching and uh, very, very low in terms of, you know, like negative calls, like for looting or anything like that. There's not very little of that. There's some stupidity, but n- not much, you know, overt lawlessness and there's a lot of folks just helping folks. So again, uh, hats off to everybody. It's, it's, it is a phenomenal thing to be around and watch when, if you just turn on any one of the news networks or pick up, you know, like whatever your news outlet of choice is, and everything looks so decisive and, and like highly charged and, and just 
Uh, people are just going to guns with each other all the time. When, when you get down to like just real folks uh, that like, you know, have to like make a living every day and just like survive. It's pretty, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different story, uh, I think. So I, I would say shout out, hats off to anybody that's uh, been kind of going through this stuff. You know, that's, that's a big one. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's it. Pretty much shout out to the random average dude and dudette in America right now. All right. Sounds good, man. Um, so yeah, uh, as usual guys, if you want to be on the show, if you have any topics you want us to cover, games to play, that sort of deal, or anything interesting you happen to dig up on the internet, uh, do let us know. We'll be more than happy to try to accommodate you. And uh, yeah, so everyone, please be safe out there, particularly if you're in the areas that are affected by the hurricane. I know there's some more storms coming. Uh, hopefully not nearly as, as bad. And if you were affected, you know, do do be safe out there. It is, it is dangerous and something you definitely can't uh, mess around with. But uh, other than that, guys, do have a good night and be safe out there.